I'm Derek Thompson, longtime writer with The Atlantic magazine on tech, culture, and politics. There is a lot of noise out there, and my goal is to cut through the headlines, loud tweets, and hot takes in my new podcast, Plain English. I'll talk to some of the smartest people I know to give you clear viewpoints and memorable takeaways. Plain English starts November 16th. Listen for free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The MLB season is in full swing, and you can step up to the plate with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, Bet the live same-game parlays for every MLB game and track your game and bets live with box scores and play-by-play. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21-plus, 18-plus in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem, call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade, Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's, huzzah, a toast to breakfast. Alrighty, let's roll, baby. Welcome in. It is an early Wednesday edition of New York, New York. For me right here, it's a late Tuesday edition as we are live from Los Angeles, Radio Row at the Westin Bonaventure, which, by the way, beautiful hotel, absolute nightmare trying to get connected for the last 30 minutes. Stefan can attest to that. I'm trying to get meeting rooms. I'm basically doing the show right now from a restaurant in which I had breakfast because the Wi-Fi in my room was as bad as can be. You know what else is as bad as can be? The New York Knickerbockers right about now. And I am still so salty and still so sick over what happened yesterday as we gave out a same-game parlay. We needed to go four for four. All we needed the Knickerbockers to do was cover a game against the Utah Jazz. They had a lead going into the fourth quarter. And don't get me started with the missed free throws and the out-and-out debacle that that fourth quarter ended up being. And then, of course, tonight here against the Denver Nuggets, you know, anybody who expected a win is delusional. Let's call it like it is. Second night of a back-to-back against a team that is much better than the New York Knickerbockers. They're getting smoked. Basically, the only glimmer of hope you have in the game is the bench coming back and giving you some sort of life. And the end result and the story that everybody's going to be talking about is R.J. Barrett getting hurt at the end of this game. And why R.J. Barrett is in the game, you tell me. I love Tom Thibodeau. I will continue to be a Tom Thibodeau supporter. That makes absolutely no sense. In that sort of game, in that sort of situation, please, R.J. Barrett should not be in the game. The feeling around the Knicks and the hope around the Knicks was that the Sacramento Kings were going to be the team that was going to set up this Julius Randle trade as we move closer and closer to the trade deadline. Well, with this blockbuster that went down between the Pacers and the Sacramento Kings and Halliburton being on his way to Indiana, 
you could scratch that off the list. They're not trading for Julius Randle. I mean, can you see a Julius Randle for De'Aaron Fox trade over the next 48 hours? I'm hammering a hard no on that account. And there have been a lot of Nick people that I've seen on social media, a lot of Nick people making the argument, JJ, why didn't Knicks make a run at Tyrese Halliburton? Well, the issue is why didn't they draft him a couple of years ago? It's not a matter of why didn't they trade for him. It's why didn't they draft him? They had an opportunity to get him two years ago. They didn't get him. He was electric his rookie year, has not been as good his second year, and Opie's been a lot better. And I like Opie Top, and I like his growth. The lack of minutes he's getting is absolutely disturbing. So another lost night for the Knicks. And I got bad news for a lot of Knicks fans out there. Don't expect a whole lot between now and Thursday. If you think there's going to be some seismic change between now and then, I think you're gravely mistaken. Gravely, gravely mistaken. Then you have the Brooklyn Nets. And I got to laugh. So I met up with the great Pharrell on the bench crew. Pharrell, our buddy Carver High, the whole crew. So we're watching the Net Celtic game after Radio Row here in Los Angeles. And, you know, I'm monitoring. I got a ton of college basketball I got going on. And I'm like, wow, that's got to be a misprint, right? 26 to 2? No, no, no. There is no possible way that's the score, right? 26 to 2 with the Brooklyn Nets and the Boston Celtics? No. Nailed it. Nailed it to a T. The Nets right now have so many bad vibes working against them. Listen, they don't have Kyrie playing in the home games. James Horton doesn't play. And now it's to the point where, you know, the Nets are scratching James Horton, claiming it's an injury. Well, sure. Is it that or is it that we're looking to make a trade between now and Thursday? I have been steadfast in saying the Nets are not going to trade him until the offseason or that he is not going to walk until the offseason, that they're going to just basically see this through. But the way the Nets are acting over the last couple of days, they're acting like they want to make a trade. And I went on a radio station in Philadelphia a few days ago, and they were asking me about James Harden. I said, look, you guys are smart. The guy you want is Bradley Beal. If I'm the Sixers, I don't want James Harden. He's going to pull the same stunt that he did in Brooklyn that he did in Houston. I mean, this is par for the course for this guy. Now, all of a sudden, I'm going to put all my eggs in the James Harden basket. I'd be careful with that if I'm Philadelphia. And for Brooklyn, it's the hope of getting Kevin Durant back, but counteracting the bad vibes that you've had around this team all year and especially over the last couple of weeks. Way, way, way too many bad vibes with Brooklyn. So another rotten night for New York basketball. Now, as far as the vibe in the field at Radio Row, let me tell you something. Everybody I talk to loves the Bengals this week. It's insane. Everybody I talk to, they love the Bengals, they love the Bengals, they love the Bengals. And I am, like, eating that up. It's no secret who I'm picking on Thursday. I know we'll have Joe B on. We'll do our usual Football Friday spectacular. It's no secret. And it's been pretty clear. I've been on the Rams every step along the way throughout this year. I've been against the Bengals this entire postseason. So I'm not going to back down from that. How are the Bengals blocking the Rams? Can somebody answer me that question? How are the Bengals blocking the Rams? They, 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 nobody seems to have an answer for that. Nobody. So for the folks who like the Bengals this week, you love Burrow, you love the storyline, great. It's cool. Burrow's awesome. The guy's an absolute badass. You know I'd love him to be my quarterback. But please, show me how you're going to block him 
and block for them, and then maybe make the case that the Bengals are going to win this game. So a lot of Bengals support on Radio Row. I'm all about that action. I'm all about that action. And two quick notes before we get to what is a loaded, loaded show. And you guys are going to love the Michael Carter conversation we had. He was such a charismatic, such an engaging dude. Can't wait for you guys to hear him. He's going to be up in a little bit. Thoughts and prayers with Cheryl Williams and his family. I mean, that hit home to me because, like, that's one of my dudes from, like, 95, 96 growing up as a Yankee. So the idea that he is gone and is no longer with us, like, when stuff like that happens, it's, it's eye-opening. It is just absolutely eye-opening. So I did not know that Gerald Williams was dealing with cancer. He's clearly very, very close with Derek Jeter. That was one of those stories you saw today on social media, and it put, like, a knot in the stomach. And it really puts into perspective how short amount of time we have here on this earth no matter who you may be. And I don't want to wax poetic. Nobody needs to wax poetic. We get the deal. We all know it. We've all had family members or friends or colleagues, whatever the case may be, go through something along these lines where it opens your eyes and it kind of puts life and this world that we live in in a whole lot of perspective. But I saw that today. That definitely did not sit well with me. So Gerald Williams, one of the former New York Yankees, one of the guys with Buck Showalter back in the mid-90s, passes away with cancer and he's gone way too soon on a much lighter note can i get more mike mcdaniel in my life that's going to be surdy and stefan's task of like the next like eight weeks beg the dolphins to give me mike mcdaniel because i think the sort of zany swagger that he has and the sort of off the charts nature that i bring to the table i mean you want to talk about fun get mike mcdaniel and me in the same room for 15 to 20 minutes that would be uh That'd be an interesting conversation. That is for sure. So we got a loaded show. We are going to have Michael Carter from the New York Jets. You guys are going to love it. Ricky Williams, who is one of my all-time favorites. Run, Ricky, run. He was doing Radio Row this week. I was like, we got to have Ricky on the show. So I'm looking forward to that. You're going to enjoy that conversation. All that more. Loaded Wednesday edition of New York, New York. Late night from Los Angeles. The running back of the New York Jets will join us next. This episode is brought to you by 7-Eleven. Cold Slurpee drinks on a hot summer day are a match made in heaven, and your favorite refreshment just got even better. Let's talk about 7-Eleven's $1 small Slurpee drink with seven rewards. It's the classic frozen fizzy treat you can't get anywhere else. I'm a blue raspberry guy. Just know that about me. Know that about me going forward. Anytime there's a drink like this, I'm in on the blue raspberry. If you're feeling thirsty, feeling thirsty right now, how about going to visit a 7-Eleven valid through 1725? 7-Eleven has the right to end this promotion early, plus tax. Participating U.S. stores, see app for full terms. All rights reserved. Let's welcome in a guy who had a terrific, terrific year for the New York Jets and was one of the standouts, not going to lie, on my fantasy team. Michael Carter, what's up, dude? What's going on? How you feeling now? First year in the books. Get used to the NFL get through your first year and finished it up pretty good, all things considered, right? Yeah, I think just from beginning to like end, I feel like I got like a lot better during the season. Like I physically felt it every week. Like, okay, I'm getting better. Would you say that your team made significant offensive progress? Because you think about it early in the year, you guys weren't putting up points. You guys weren't generating a whole lot on the scoreboard. And then something changed. I don't know if it was coach going up in the booth or whatever the case may be. But, I mean, I think about that Bucks game. Mike, you guys were right there against the, you know, the defending champs. Had a chance to win that game. Yeah, and it's, and it's really it's really a matter of just 
staying on the field at the same time. I think when you, two things like our offense is not the, like the easiest in, in the world to learn, but like once it gets rolling, it's like nobody can stop it. And like, I think you kind of seen that with San Fran this year, where they kind of struggled early, but when they roll, they roll. You know what I mean? So it's similar. And then um, just having to be on the field at the same time. I think we only had three games this year where like Corey and Elijah were on the field at the same time. He's a stud, by the way. I mean, you got to be fired up about that, right? You're a part of a rookie class where you got a rookie quarterback, you got a rookie running back you, and then you got Elijah Moore, and you see a lot of promise, potential. Like, is that something you guys talked about when you all got drafted together, man? We're going to be with the Jets for a long period of time doing this and kicking ass? To having the youth that we have and like being able to grow together, like once in a lifetime opportunity, seriously is, and the talent that we that we did bring in and the talent that we're gonna bring in this summer, it's just like the sky's really the limit for us. So okay. it's really cool to have like guys that are around like around me that like actually want to be great because you don't get that every day. Zach Wilson, so got off to a real rocky start. You guys went through the Mike White sensation where they're chanting his name. You guys beat the Bengals. But then Zach takes back over and looked a lot more comfortable. What can you tell the Jeff fan about what Zach Wilson brings to the table as a quarterback? Yeah, Zach's super confident. And in the game, in, the, in this game of football, especially in the NFL, like NFL is a confidence-based league. Like if you have don't if you don't have confidence, you got nothing. So Zach's a confident player. He's a great quarterback. He's a great person. Um, stand-up guy, definitely. And and like just just the. You just I don't wanna I don't wanna like go too far into it like personal stuff, but Zach is like really super focused. So the idea that, you know, it was Mike White, it was Mike like there a lot there was a lot of media generation, uh guys on the Jets don't like Zach Wilson. You're telling me that's a whole lot of nonsense. Yeah, I don't think I don't think anyone in the locker room really feel like that. And listen, to me, I don't know if you feel this way. I never played on a team. I want my quarterback to be a badass. Yeah. I want him to have like a swagger. Like I'm yeah. watching Burrow and what he's doing for the Bengals right now. Yeah. You know, I don't think he's cocky, but he's confident. Like, I don't want if – if your quarterback don't have that swagger and that confidence, I'm not ready to run through a brick wall for him. At, at all. And I think that one thing that that we kind of – is it's not – he doesn't play the game alone. You know what I mean? So, like, if if he if he has that swag, but he's the only one that has it, then it doesn't matter if he does. So, like, we all carry that swag. And I think, like, when Zach came back after he watched Mike White, because truthfully, like, maybe he didn't even sit back and watch for, like, a couple weeks. And that's okay. Like – being quarterback is hard in the, in the, at any level. Especially as a rookie. So you would say with your offense, you felt like by, what, week eight, week nine, you guys had a much better feel for what LaFleur was looking to do? Because you guys did look like a far more competent offense. Like, you guys, against some really good defenses, put up some points. Talk me through that Bengal game. They're playing in the Super Bowl right now. You guys had your win of the year against Cincinnati. What went right in that game? I just think we we started the right way. I think that might have been the floor's first game. He called it from the box. It was from the box, right? No more, no more of him on the field unless it's a dolphin game. Then, then he could coach from the field. Then he could coach from the field. All he likes. And I, I'm not gonna lie, like I think he does like like it from the box better. I I didn't really ask him, but I feel like he just I don't know. Maybe if I was off in the corner, I would want to be up top. It just feels like I'm a, I'm an OC then. Well, you get a sense for seeing the whole field and whatnot. So for you personally. You had some unbelievable games. You can catch the ball. You can obviously run the ball very effectively. For Michael Carter going into his second year, what is the biggest thing that you're looking to improve upon? Yeah, just I think my goal for next year is to play every game. Because I, 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 I missed three. I think I missed three games. And for me, like I'm not really like 
never been a guy to like really like miss games and stuff like that. And there's stuff I can't help. You know, like injuries are injuries are like the only thing that like I guarantee from playing. So um, I want to take that next step. I want to, you know, have the thousand yard season and, um, you know, win, go to the playoffs, that type of thing. Like I want to go to the playoffs. So you guys, you think next year you got a ton of salary cap space. You got a lot of young players on the team. Your coach, your team, there was a lot of confidence at the end of the year. That's the idea next year. Make a significant, you know, have a winning year, playoffs. I like it. I like that sort of swag. And what we got to do is, like, finish. You know what I mean? Like, we're in a lot of these games. Like, Well, you're in two of my Dolphins. Well, listen, and I'm not going to lie. You were hosting the Dolphins at MetLife Stadium. And I have you in fantasy, and I love you. And I even said to a bunch of my Jet buddies, I go, listen, I hope he's back next week. When they said, oh, he's questionable return, Michael, take it easy. Don't come back. Come back next week, you know? Was that probably that first half the most confident you felt running the football against Miami? Um, one of yeah, I think, I think between the first time we played New England, and then when we played Cincy, and the first time we played the Dolphins, second time we played the Dolphins, I was honestly like, truthfully probably still a little bit hurt, but I I just wanted I love playing football, man. Like I really like would die. Well, I think the Jet fan loves you, and they love that idea that you love football. They want guys like that on their team. And for the red zone, is that something you want to say? I mean, listen, I'm like, give Michael Carter a ball in the red zone. Let's go here. I need it for fantasy. I'm going to leave it up. There was a couple of times this year where I, they did try to take me out on, in the red zone. I said, no, nah, man, I'm staying in. They should have given you the ball instead of that quarterback sneak against the Buccaneers. You might have won that game. Uh, listen, that was not one of the final calls of the season. All right, before you say goodbye, Super Bowl coming up. You played the Cincinnati Bengals. They're taking on the Rams. The Rams got unbelievable front. They got a lot of veteran players. Who's Michael Carter like in Super Bowl Sunday? Oh, man. I don't know. Does it look better for you guys if the Bengals win and you could say, hey, we beat the Bengals? Man, if they lose, then we all in the same boat. So it don't even matter. That's true. There's only one, right? Yeah, you can only win one. I don't know who I'm taking. Like, For me, like, I don't mind who wins. I'm not going to put no money up. But I think that if the Rams win, it'll be cool because it's like, all them guys that's been chasing the ring, they all going to get one finally, like Stafford, Donald, Vaughn. Hey, we'll get two. Odell. Like, all your favorite. I can't believe what Odell's doing. I thought he was shot. I'm not going to oh, lie to Odell's, you. I thought he was shot. Well, I couldn't have been more wrong. Sometimes, I mean, the NFL is about being in the right situation. And, and a part of, like a big part of that being in the right situation is being happy with your situation. And so I think that he's just so happy out here. And I don't know, but I, you can just tell. And... And like same thing with Von Miller, like Von Miller runs Denver, like the city. But he's just he's just happy right now. And I think that when guys guys are playing out their best when they when they're happy with their situation. So like to see the Rams win would be hella cool. And then like the Bengals is like that's the youth, you know what I mean? So like that's like a when the is that youngest inspiration team for you guys next year saying hey they only won a couple of games the year prior. Let's go. Let's yeah, get after. I, I think that's a team that you can look at. I mean, and then. Another thing that you can look at would be like the Bills, because two years ago they weren't really that good. Maybe I'm not gonna ago. lie, I'm sick of them. Uh, I'm so you guys should be sick of them too, because nah, already I now they're I mean, starting to run the division. I mean, and the Jeff fan wants you guys to beat the Patriots. Yeah. They're sick and tired of Belichick sticking it to I mean, you guys. I wanna, I wanna beat everybody. I know you. You do. know what I mean? Like, but you really want to beat the teams in the division? Yeah, right? for sure. And and we see them twice a year, and it's hard to beat a, a good team twice. But I mean, I just. I like I like playing in the division. I feel like our division is full of good defense. It's gonna be a much better division. Yeah, you know, a couple exactly. of years ago it was the Patriots. We're now gonna, you guys are on the rise. The Dolphins yeah. are on the rise. You, Buffalo's legit. You remember like I guess it was 2019, like the NFC, the NFC West. It was like four winning teams basically. The Seahawks, right around that. the 49ers, the Rams, 
the in the um the Cardinals. The Cardinals. But and then you look at a division like like the AFC North is like it's physical. That's how our division is. Our division's physical. Because you got you look at the Patriots with a really physical defense and a great run game. You got the Dolphins would they they're gonna blitz the hell out of you until you can't take it no more. Or yeah, wasn't that crazy? Some of those zero blitzes they were throwing they out there. Yeah, they, especially we'll like, see if they're doing that next year with a new coach. But I think uh, the defense should. Well, Why think, the hell not? I mean, until you, until you get beat deep, you got deep guys on who it. got corners one on one. Until you get beat deep, then, we'll then see, it's bro. like okay. Listen, thanks so much for doing this. Yeah. You were a ton of fun to watch this year. Continued success, and next year, how about this? Thirteen hundred yards. Yeah, that's and just take it easy that. on my Dolphins. You know, no, beast out I'm, every game. Take it easy on my Dolphins. I, I need most of the yards on them. Ah, there you go, Michael <laughs> Carter. Good stuff, Michael. Thank you, buddy. Yes, sir. From Michael Carter to probably my all-time favorite running back. I mean, it's not even close. Run, Ricky, run. Ricky Williams up next. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on Cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. So I'm super stoked to welcome in a guy that I loved because I'm a diehard Miami Dolphins guy, as many of you know. And this guy was a badass for the Dolphins. Like when I think of favorite Dolphins over the last, I don't know, 15 to 20 years, this guy is definitely within the top five. He's got new product coming out, Hivesman. Cannabis and apparel capsule benefiting athletes for care. The great Ricky Williams. What's happening, Ricky? Hey, what's going on? Ricky, I got to know, dude. Is the body now fully recovered from the beatings that you took, man? You think about running backs now and the way, you know, dudes are splitting carries and it's this and that. I mean, you go back to 2002, 2003 with the Dolphins. Dude, you were touching the ball every other minute. Is your body where it needs to be right about now or no? Well, let's get real. Like, I, I don't think anyone that's, that's played the running back position for more than five years in the NFL, I'm not sure their body is ever going to be be normal again. But, uh, but yeah, I was lucky enough that when I retired in 2004, I found yoga, meditation, and a bunch of different healing modalities. And so I learned to take care of myself. And so I feel, you know, I can play pickup basketball. I can play pickup football. I play softball. I, I can still do yoga. So I can still do everything I want to do with my body. And, and to me, that's a, that's a win. So, funny story, you know, you're at the peak of your Dolphin greatness, 02, 03, and this is, you know, pre-smartphone, no Twitter, none of that stuff going on. Buddy of mine calls me on like a weekend in July, and he goes, dude, Ricky Williams retired. I said, nah, you, you're messing with me, bro. I go, that's not funny. That's, that's a cruel, cruel joke. He was not fucking around, because sure enough, I go to my TV set, and I see Ricky Williams retires. So... I'm sure you've been asked this a ton. What went into that decision? You're at the peak of your greatness. You're probably the best running back at the time in that given space. Why in 2004 did you decide to walk away? And there, there's a there's a bunch of reasons, but uh, but the main reason is I had you know I had bigger things I had bigger things that I had to accomplish in this life. And at that point, football was really keeping me from exploring myself more. You know, I had this this like nightmare that I'm going to chase this football dream my whole life by the time it's done. I, you know, I'm not going to have the the brain or the energy to be able to pursue the things I'm truly passionate about. And I feel very fortunate that I got a year to, you know, to, to, to sow my royal oats and to really find a, a, 
a bigger meaning and, and greater passion than just football. So when I came back for the second half of my career, I was a different person. I feel like I was a more holistic person and, and I knew who I was more. And all of the things that I'm really passionate about right now and that are, are keeping me excited and alive are all of the things that I discovered during that year off. What was the great passion out of any that you discovered from that like year hiatus away from the NFL? Was there what was uh, aside from, you know, the cannabis, which obviously is a passion of Ricky Williams. We know that. But is there anything else that really like struck you where you said, wow, I'm glad I discovered this in my time off? Well, well, it is, it's related to cannabis. And, and I think it's the thing. Most people and I was one of these people that before when I thought about cannabis, I just thought, oh, it's 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 something people do to relax or to have a good time or to recreate. But yeah, after that year off, I realized it's, it's much deeper than that. And I realized that cannabis helped me do all those things. But even deeper than that, and it really helped me find my life's purpose. And and so it, and so my life's purpose is not really so much about scoring touchdowns or running over linebackers is really about helping people feel better. And, you know, I've taken on this, this identity as a, as a healer. And so I found astrology, I found yoga, I found meditation, and I found the spiritual and medicinal uses of cannabis that I had no idea existed before, before I left. And so, like I said, everything that I'm doing right now, it it really, the the seed was planted uh, during that, that year off. And I, and I look at my life and I say, if, if I would have kept playing football, you know, I kind of cringe at at where I'd be right now. Interesting. Okay. So if the NFL drug rules were what they are now back in 2004, is Ricky Williams walking away from the game? Hell no, I'm not walking away from the game. No. Well, because it, it, it's not even it's not even just the cannabis. It's more of, of the rules, right? Because the, the the fact that if you have a league and over half of the the league is using cannabis and you're making it illegal, that's a league that's not for you. And the the fact that the league, you know, <laughs> that the league is 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 softening their stance and changing, they're showing that they that they care more about the players. The fact that they're investing money to you know so they can check their boxes and feel good about allowing the players to consume cannabis. It, you know, it, it, this is how this is how it works. So do you almost think that you are like the trailblazer in getting these modern day players, these sort of treatment that they're getting? In many ways, I think they're probably saying, thank you, Ricky Williams. You know, you walked what? away from the game. The league saw that. And sooner or later, they started loosening up the rules. But it, it wasn't that I walked away because if I just would have walked away and disappeared, right, or if I would have believed what they said and my life would have fallen apart, then I don't think the rules would have changed. But I took it upon myself that, the story doesn't stop here. I decide how this story ends. And the fact that people see that I continue to consume, to use cannabis, and they see how my life is now, that I'm healthy and that I'm happy and I'm doing things, then it, it dispels the myth. And I think this is what we need, more people being honest and telling the truth about their cannabis use. Because to me, if you have all these famous people that are achieving at a, at a high level, no pun intended, we shouldn't be punishing them for their cannabis use. We should be asking them, Right. If you're if this thing that we were told is supposed to make us losers, because that's what I that's what I heard growing up. If you smoke pot, you're going to be a loser. Right. If this is what we're told, but we're seeing people who we we worship because of they're the opposite of a loser and they're using cannabis. Shouldn't we be asking them, like, what are you doing? How are you using it to me that at least that, that's the way I look at it. And that's why I launched Heisman to change the conversation, because I say it and I love saying this. It's not about a trophy. It's about getting high. Wildcat, 
Did yes. you like it? Did you hate it? I mean, you think about your Dolphin story. There's a there's a happily ever after kind of. I mean, I think about that 08 team. You guys win the division. I was I'm a New Yorker, Ricky. So I was up in the upper deck the day you the guys Jets beat game. the Jets yeah. with Chad Pennington, and half the crowd was rooting for the Miami Dolphins. Teddy Ginn. Like, do you look back on that chapter with your Miami Dolphins career with more like fond memories than even when you were in 2002 and 2003 beasting out? I mean, yeah, because 2002, I mean, we had we had the best team in a long time. Well, they didn't time. give you the ball. <laughs> don't get me started. They didn't give you the ball in New England. In New England, the, the playoff the, game. Exactly. Me, that, that's, you want to talk about a J.J. meltdown? That's, a J.J. meltdown is Jay Fiedler and then the punter hitting like a 25-yard punt. Don't remind me. Don't remind uh, me. But that, uh, that, that's exactly where I was going. That was the best team. But at least that 08 team, you know, on the back of the Wildcat in, in a defense, a hell of a defense. That we, we, you know, we made it to the playoffs. And then 09 with the Wildcats still running hot, uh, you know, I, I was able to rush for over a thousand yards. And so, the, you know, that part of my Dolphins career, definitely, you know, to be able to, to, to walk away from the game, come back, walk away from the game again, come back, and then to also, you know, run for a thousand yards at, I think I was 20, I mean, I was 32 or something. That was great. It was great. And I think it helped me get to 10,000 yards and feel really good about walking away from the game saying, you know what? Not only did I did I do it big, but I did it my way. When you guys discovered the Wildcat, were you like super hyped, super amped in practice saying, man, I can't wait to unveil this? Or did you say, eh, I don't know if this is going to work in the NFL. It's 2008. You know, everybody's throwing the ball left and right. So, like, talk me through that wildcat progression and like going through it and like learning about it for the first time. Yeah. So when we first brought it, it was coach David Lee who had run it with uh, Felix Jones and Darren McFadden at, at, um, at Arkansas. And so he got on the staff and he, and he installed it or introduced it during training camp. And everybody was like, this is, this ain't going to work. And, but he's the coach. And so we just started like working on it every day and walk through and practice every day. And, we had fun with it and especially the running backs because there were four running backs on the field at the, at a time. So half of our, more than half of our running back room got to be a big part of the offense. So we, we loved it. Uh, and then, you know, after starting, I think we were Oh, two and went up to new England and, and, and Ronnie Brown's throwing the lefties, throwing it down the field. I couldn't believe it, Ricky. It was crazy, man. And when crazy. you're, when you're Oh, two, you know, you, you're, you're open to trying different things. And there was, I'm telling you, this is probably my, my favorite moment of my entire time in the NFL was watching the, the Patriots defense and Belichick on the sideline, like arguing and trying to figure out what the heck are they doing, what's going on. And they, I mean, they didn't touch us. I think mean, Ronnie had 130, I had a 99 or something. So it was fun to go up there and, and whip up on the Patriots with the Wildcat. 10,000 yards. You ever think about Ricky Williams Hall of Fame in the same sentence? Um, I, You know... Sometimes, sometimes I because you know myself. what I think you're there. Uh, to me, it's not about longevity with a running back; it's about dominance. You were one of the most dominant running backs at your position at that time. So I'll say it. I'm not just saying it because you're on the air. No, to I me, you had a Hall of Fame caliber career. You know, to me, here here's what I'm here's what I'm banking on. If I'm being realistic, is that things that I'm doing off the field will garner enough attention that people will have enough sympathy to look back and say, okay, it's good for the it's good for the NFL to have this guy in the Hall of Fame, and so let's do it. Do you think of yourself more as a New Orleans Saint, more as a Miami Dolphin? Definitely more as a as a Miami Dolphin. Although I do I do have a Saints tattoo on my ankle that's not going anywhere. You can't um, get rid of that. You I, don't want to get rid of that. I, I don't. I mean, no, because it, it's a it's a huge part of a huge part of my story, a huge part of my story, uh, and it always will be. But Miami was just more my speed. It was just more me. I was told I'm getting a reading. 
Is that accurate? No, no. I just, you know, I just. You get, like throwing that out there. You like throwing just, that out there. Yeah, I just get people's birth time just so I have an idea of who I'm like, who I'm talking to. Well, I'm a tourist. Yeah. So do I fit the description of a tourist or no, not really? Well, I don't really use astrology to de- to describe people. I use to help people understand themselves. And um, yeah, I use astrology to help people understand themselves. So if I'm talking to a to a tourist, you know, it's it's just like affirmation, right? Because with tourists, you know, sometimes, right, on a, on a bad day, tourists can be like stuck in the mud a little bit, difficult to difficult to change. You oh, know? man. Uh, stubborn? That's right up my fiance's alley. She's going to agree with that yeah, assessment, but, I'm but sure. It, but, it, but it's not like, you know, when people make fun, it's not. Like, the, the beautiful thing about tourists is, like, they're the salt of the earth people. Like, you know, you can depend on them, right? And you know when you're around them, that you're going to feel good, right? It's going to be, it's going to be comfortable and they're going to take care of you. So, so it's about appreciating. It's like I said, when you get on a team, you want to appreciate like who you are and, and what you have to offer. And again, so it also, when you look at astrology, it's not just our sun sign, right? Astrology is like, it, we say we have 10 planets. And so it, it's, it's more complex than that. Even though the sun is like our identity, okay? Like typically tourist people, you know, they enjoy their, their things. You know, my, what my, my quote for, for tourists is if it makes dollars, it makes sense. Okay. I like that. Yes. I like the sound of that, bro. Yes. I like the sound of that. All right, Ricky, tell me one more time about Heisman and what you guys got cooking. Yeah. So, so Heisman is, and we call Heisman a, a cannabis lifestyle brand. And it, it started because when, when COVID hit, I started signing a, a lot more autographs because the young players weren't traveling because the teams weren't letting them. And the old players weren't traveling because they were worried about their health. So there was a sweet spot of, of newly retired players that were getting a lot of uh, autograph business. And so I started signing cannabis subscriptions. So I signed my name and then I signed smoke weed every day or puff, puff run or nice. smoking bowls, hitting holes. I mean, they, they came up with a whole bunch of them and, and the business, my business tripled and I started doing the math and I realized there's not that many Ricky Williams fans out there. These are people that are just looking for ways to celebrate their love. Of I think there sports. are a lot more Ricky Williams fans than you think. There's a lot more cannabis fans. There's a lot more cannabis fans than there are Ricky Williams there. fans. And so That's I realized fair. that people are, people are really looking for a way to bring together their love for cannabis and their love for sports. And I thought, you know, who better than to, to, to give them that opportunity than me. And so I launched this brand to say, Right. Again, I said it earlier when I was growing up, they said, if you smoke weed, you're going to be a loser. And I'm here to say that's not the case. And to all the people that enjoy their cannabis and enjoy their sports, that's who Heisman is for. Ricky Williams, thank you for a terrific dolphin career. Run, Ricky, run. And I still think I have my oversized large. You remember the orange jerseys you guys broke out? Did you? Were you a fan of those orange jerseys hell, or no? Hell yeah. Especially, I thought they were badass. Hell yeah, I think they you were. guys should bring them back. We had that one game. I know you remember on, I think it was Sunday night or Monday night against the against the Jets. We wore oh, the all ran, orange. Oh, listen, Ricky, you ran over a lot of teams, though, dude. It was against the Jets, the Patriots. Uh, Look at you. Wow. Listen, I'm a big Dolphin guy. You know that, Ricky. And Man. before we say goodbye, favorite Dolphin teammate. I'm hoping you say Chad Pennington because everybody loves Chad, but I don't know if that's it's the not, answer. I mean, he wouldn't even be top five. Um, okay. He's a good guy, great guy, but would it be top five? Ronnie Brown is no like. Oh, that's your dude, man. You no guys, are, you know, because it, crime. It's, it's it's difficult, especially at that level. Two two top five picks in the same backfield, right? And and when Nick got there after he drafted Ronnie, you know, he came up to me and he said, you know, you're the older guy. You guys are going fifty fifty. I said, let's do it. And so to have two top level running backs be best friends and still share the same position, I think that's special. 
And, and you uh, got along with Saban, right? You and Saban jive. I love it Saban. Seemed like it. I, I love Nick. I love him. I Did do. you think he could, if he was more patient, could he have had success in the NFL? I think he could have. I just think you guys needed a quarterback at the time. You needed Breeze instead of Culpepper. Uh, there's there's no doubt if, if he would have stayed there longer and, and was able to get more of his people in the organization, there's no doubt. No doubt he would, he'd win at that level. Ricky, thank you so much for doing this, man. Continued success. And uh, you might see that oversized extra large dolphin jersey. I still got the orange one. Just I saying. I, I should have worn it for you. Just saying. I love it, man. Thank you so much. Good stuff there with Ricky Williams. We go from Ricky Williams to your reaction. Some voicemails right after this. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah. A toast to breakfast. All right, voicemail time. And I love that we were able to squeeze these in. We find a way. When there's a will, there's a way here in New York, New York. 917-382-1151. And... Now, I was telling some of the ringer staff earlier today, I expect you guys to start chiming in on the voicemail line, you know? Anytime you have an angry complaint for yours truly, you know where to find me. All right, let's hit some voicemails. Let's hear them, Stefan. JJ, it's your boy Billy in Queens here. And boy, let me tell you, not all is well in Nestland. I cannot believe this eight-game slide. I cannot believe these hardened rumors. It's just so disappointing for you know, a guy who it feels like it's going to shift the franchise and who won 18 of 22 games when he got to Brooklyn, I think. I uh, can't see us not making a move before Thursday. Whether that's trading James to Philly and, and getting a big haul and no, it's not just going to be Ben Simmons. James is a way, way better player than Ben Simmons. Or whether it's getting a guy like Miles Turner or Jeremy Grant to help us, because I think we have 29 games left this season. And as things currently stand, I think Kyrie can play in like 10 or 11 of them. And if Kevin doesn't come back in two weeks, you know, I I mean, it's just looking dismal with another seven games uh, lost, you know, even five games lost, we're back at 500, which is just unfucking believable given the way this season started. But you heard it here first. I think the best GM in the NBA makes a move before Thursday, whether it's getting help or it's getting rid of James, you can book it. And also, who's riding with me? Bengals, money live. Let's go. I told you after AFC championship. I told you. So uh, if you're betting against the Bengals, you don't know Joe. Listen, I can't mock Billy because he's hit on the Bengals every round. I've lost on the Bengals every single round. Um, But I know this. Everybody at Radio Row loves the Bengals this week. So, Billy, you could join the masses, my friend. You could join the masses. And you nailed the about face with James Harden. A year ago at this time, the Net fan was eating up every bit of James Harden highlights. They were buying in. They thought he was this great teammate. He was perfect. He was going to be here for the next couple of years. He wanted to be here, blah, blah, blah. Funny how all of that changes less than a year. Why? 
That's what we're trying to figure out. I don't know. Is it the rant missing time? Is it Kyrie? What's going on with his vaccination status and Horton having to take on more of the load? Is it frustration with James Horton with the new rules? I don't know. But this is not the same engaged player that Brooklyn brought in last year. It's just not. He's a totally different dude. And listen, long term, if I'm the Nets, I do not want Harden on my team. I mean, that's just all there is to it. I do not want Harden on my team long term. I just don't know if you're finding exactly what you want between now and Thursday. That's the question. You present that to me, I'm willing to listen. And the Nets absolutely should be willing to listen between now and then. Who's next? JJ, what's up? Joe from Brooklyn here. Got to get some Knicks, Knicks conversation, stuff that's weighing on me. Got to get off my chest. So just two things. Same old to- story, same old tale. Knicks need a point guard. No shit. Here we are. I'm praying that they get the Aaron Fox this week. And then long term, people laugh at me, but I do think it is a possibility to bring in Donovan Mitchell. I'd like to see it at some point. Um, I think having those two run the one and two would be a really solid duo um, and exactly what we need on the court. But further, something that's not getting a lot of conversation, I got to be honest with you, I was all about the Tid signing, but he was not my first choice for exactly the reasons why we're seeing right now. Right, His reputation has come to fruition. It's the same thing over and over again. He can get the the squad rallied up and going. Some tough defense. He's good for that. But on offense, there is zero freaking approach. And then without a point guard, it's even worse. Thank God we're seeing RJ develop this year, at least a little bit, showing that he's got some damn potential. But quite honestly... My first big pick a couple of years ago and my pick today to be the head coach of the New York Knicks is Kenny Atkinson. That man deserves a job in this league. He deserves the job with the Knicks. I want to see that man come in and do what he did in building the Nets. The Nets were a contender, not a contender, but they were at least competitive long before KD signed. Okay. He's the perfect coach to manage this team. Uh, especially before we get superstars. And then we add a superstar or two, if we're even fortunate enough, if anyone dares to desire to play in this city, or at least in the garden, that is. That's who I want. Uh, I want to know what your take is and what I have to say and uh, if there's a likelihood there, at least on the Atkinson front. Let me dream on Donovan Spider-Mitchell. All right, talk later. Thanks, JJ. You know, I knew we were going to get a couple of these calls. Nick fans souring on Tom Thibodeau for what happened at the end of this Denver game, for what has happened over the course of this year. It's not been a great year for the head coach. I'll be the first to admit that. And I'm a Tom Thibodeau guy through and through. It's not been a great year for the head coach. But all of a sudden now, I got Nick fans calling for his head. After what happened a year ago, are we serious? The Knicks were a top four seed in the Eastern Conference just a year ago. Am I looking at a roster that should be within the top six in the East? The answer to that question is a clear cut no. Go through the teams in the Eastern Conference and then make the argument to me, well, who the Knicks better than? You want me to do that for you? You want to laugh? 
For those of you who want a new head coach, and listen, now ten, Kenny Atkinson's going to be the flavor of the month. Are, are the Knicks better than the Heat? No. Are they better in Milwaukee? No. I was wrong on the Bulls. Are they better in the Bulls? No. Are they better in Cleveland? No. Are they better in Philly? No. Are they better in Toronto or Brooklyn? No. They're not. They're not better than those teams. The Eastern Conference got a lot better. Got a lot better. And guys on this team have taken a major step back. They've taken a major step back. Don't make that just simply put about the head coach. The worst thing the Knicks could do is about face at the end of the year and fire this head coach. What, for Kenny Atkinson? Oh, we're glorifying Kenny Atkinson winning 44 games with a net team with D'Angelo Russell and Joe Harris. whoop the freaking do Am I missing something here? Did Kenny Atkinson have the Nets playing in the conference finals or the NBA finals? So now all of a sudden, everything's Tom Thibodeau's fault. So last year, Tom Thibodeau got all the praise in the world. Now this year, he has no idea what he's doing. I think that is so short-sighted. I really do. I, I think that would be a monumental mistake for the Knicks. But I know what's going to happen. The team's playing like crap, and people want somebody to blame. That's just the way it goes. And you get sick and tired of blaming Randall all the time. You get sick and tired of blaming players. So now all of a sudden, it's Tom Thibodeau. Tom Thibodeau can coach my team any day of the week. You think Thibodeau's the, the sole problem with this team? And I don't love his rotations. Let me make that clear. Obi not playing the amount of time that he should be playing bothers me. It bothers me. Sticking with starters too long bothers me. But all of a sudden, Tom Thibodeau forgot how to coach. Last year, the guy was coaching the year, basically. Now, all of a sudden, he doesn't know what he's doing. I have a problem with that. That narrative, that thought process, I have a problem with. All right, last but not least, then we're going to take a trivia question. JJ, JK out in Seville. No sports this time. Fans want to know over under on how many times you're hitting in and out this week out in L.A. We got the number at three or five, three, uh, three and a half over here in Long Island. So let me know. If you haven't had it yet, I think the under's hit. But enjoy your time out there, bro. Can't wait to hear it. Well, I appreciate that, JK. By the way, I was getting yelled at by security as we're finishing up the podcast because my Wi Fi was so bad in the room. I'm basically in a restaurant doing this. So I was getting chased out by security in case you guys are wondering. So I'm a rebel without a cause. Uh, that's a hard under. Because I'm not a big in and out guy. Had it once or twice. Not a huge fan. It doesn't do it for me. Duffy's Burger will do it for me. Duffy's Burger will do it for me. In and out, eh, I could do it out. All right, trivia time. It's time to go big or go home. That's what we do around here. So, Stefan, let's get it, baby. JJ, Larry in Florida. Here we go with the trivia. The other night, Trey Young got his 20th 40-point game before his 24th birthday. Since 1977, there's only been five other guys to get 20, 40-point games before their 24th birthday. Who are they? Question two. Rams both came back from double-digit deficits last week to get to the Super Bowl. There's only been one other Super Bowl matchup where both teams came back from double digits. What matchup was that? I'm going to start question two, Larry. I think it was in 1998. I think it was the Atlanta Falcons against the Minnesota Vikings. And I believe it was the Denver Broncos against the New York Jets. And I'm fairly confident in that answer. Am I right? See, I knew it. I knew it. Because I remember that Viking meltdown like it was yesterday. And then, of course, every Jet fan remembers what happened in 1998. So, Stefan, how many... 20, 40 points. So what was the, the, the Trey Young question here? Give me the exact specifics on the wording here. I want to make sure I have this right. It's 20 or more 
40 point games. I mean, 30 point games before you turn 24. Before 24. And what are we talking about? Four dudes? It's actually five. Five. Okay. All right. Yeah. Five guys. Got to think of guys that are young that were in the league for a long, long time that put up numbers. Uh, next, the King, who also plays here in Los Angeles, LeBron James. All right, LeBron James, one down, four to go. Kevin Garnett. Mm. Uh, not quite, not quite. See, I'm trying to think of young dudes under the age of 24 that would fit this description. Dwight Howard. Mm. Ooh, okay, okay. Carmelo Anthony. Wow, we are whiffing here. We are whiffing. I felt good about this trivia question, too. I really did. Magic Johnson. <laughs> Stefan, I got to phone a friend here, dude. I am striking out. I am striking out like I did at Chuck's Cafe back when I was 20. All right, think about young dynamic scores. Scores. When I say score, this guy can put the ball in the hole. Think about young dynamic scores. Young dynamic scorer. Steph Curry. This is this is this is sad performance here, bro. This is sad performance. I need to nail at least one more to at least give me some some confidence ending this trivia round because I felt so good after Larry's first question. Dynamic score. Duncan's too old because he came out of college after his senior year. Duncan's too old. Shaquille O'Neal. Okay. There we go. There we go. That, that makes me feel better after giving you about five incorrect answers. So I need to get three more here. Three more. Hmm. Hakeem Olajuwon. Hmm. Okay. What is our next phone a friend hint here, Stefan? The next three guys are all wing scorers. I'll give you that. All wings. Okay. I'm probably missing the best to ever do it. Michael Jordan. I mean, the fact that I didn't get Michael's name uh, is kind of embarrassing on my part, but neither here nor there. Two more wing scorers. Two more wing scorers, eh? Larry Bird. It is not Larry Legend. Dominique Wilkins. Not Dominique, okay. Not Dominique. Would you say wing scorers, Stefan, within the last 20 years? Yes. Within the last 20 years, okay. These last two guys are within the last 20 years. And Kevin they're eerily Durant. similar. Kevin Durant. Hmm. So, KD, I need to get one more here. I need to get one more. The all-important next wing score within the last 20 years. 
Kawhi Leonard. Oh, I felt good about that, too. I felt good about that, too. Oh, I got it. I got it. Giannis. It's not Giannis. Mm. So you're telling me this next guy is similar to Kevin Durant? That's correct. Very similar to Kevin Durant. Very similar. Very similar to Kevin Durant. Man. Dwayne Wade. Wow. All right. I'm going for my last 10. Eastern or Western Conference player? He played on both conferences. Where was he at his best, though? Mm, that It's debatable. He was good in both conferences. It's really debatable. He was good in both conferences. It's an excellent question. I'm going to be annoyed that I don't know this answer, aren't I? Yeah, it, it's there, Jay. You just you know what it is. I think I think the reason why you're not thinking of him is it's not you're not thinking about it. Like it, it's right there. It's a layup, but you're not thinking about this. Guy. It's a layup within the last twenty years. It's right there. He's a wing. It's not Nowitzki, is it? <laughs> Stefan, who is it? Put me out of my misery, please. Tracy McGrady. See, that's a good answer. That would have taken me about 10 zillion more guesses to guess. Just but, from the simple standpoint, they're similar as wings, but I think of Durant as a much bigger winner than McGrady. So I'm thinking of guys who won championships. You know what I mean? Like I'm going through my mind. I'm like, who won MVPs? Who won championships? And T-Mac never did those things, but he had a top-notch NBA career. So Tracy McGrady. Yeah, out. And I, when I said similar, I would say it as like T Mac is a guy who was a bucket. T Mac was a bucket. Like, he's got a he bunch was of a scoring titles. He, he was a bucket. That's what I mean. Him and Kevin Durant had that same lanky, wide frame where they just they could just do everything on the court. It just looked like creative players. That's what I would say. And get a bucket whenever the hell they wanted. So yeah, listen, Larry, job well done with that trivia question. Much better performance with my NFL today. And listen, maybe that's because I'm here at Radio Row and I'm. Not particularly on my basketball trivia game, but I will be back with a vengeance next week. All right, before we say goodbye, this late podcast, I love your patience. And listen, if you're waking up on a Wednesday morning, it's the perfect wake-up. That's what we do around here. But it's Jeff Money time. Jeff Money, what's in store for college basketball? What's up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicapper fix. This could be for tomorrow, Wednesday the 9th. I got three plays for you in college basketball. Start out my money play. We're going to go with Notre Dame. Opening line, this is all the opening lines, the uh, Notre Dame minus the eight over Louisville. Then we're going to go Wake Forest minus the four over NC State. And then finally, I'm going to take Tulane plus the eight and a half over Memphis. Again, three plays in college basketball for tomorrow, Wednesday the 9th. I'm going to go my money play with Notre Dame minus the eight, Wake Forest minus the four, and Tulane plus the eight and a half. And as always, everyone can get all my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ. I'm out of here. Let's go. Let's go, Jeff Money. And I'd be careful with the Louisville game just from the standpoint of they got so embarrassed by the Cuse the other night. I think they will come out with a better effort. 
I would fade NC State. I watched them the other day against Notre Dame. They are brutal. But you've been cooking right now in college basketball. So ain't broke. Don't fix it for Jeff Money. And my orange, slowly but surely, starting to rack the wins together. Slowly but surely. And I'm telling you, this NCAA tournament is going to be madness this year. Arkansas just knocked off Auburn. Tough one for St. John's. They had an opportunity against Villanova. They fall short. They lose by six points. Uh, it is going to be a wide open NCAA tournament. Like there are about 12 or 13 teams that can win it. So be prepared. Be prepared. Fun show. We are loaded over the next couple of days with guests. We got some Jets coming on. We got some Giants coming on. We'll have all our Football Friday regulars that will be with us for the final football weekend of the year. Back with a vengeance on Thursday. I think I might get booted from this hotel because I'm doing the uh, show from a restaurant because my Wi-Fi is so bad. But hey, they didn't boot me out of the hotel. So I'll leave for that. Great work, Stefan. JJ out. Enjoy. Be good, everybody. <laughs>